Hi there, you're listening to The Vitality Podcast. My name is Nat Edwards and it's great to have your company as we explore how to age well. Today I speak to one of the founders of the Vitality Passport Program, physiotherapist Jeremy Carr. In part one of this interview, Jeremy gives us an overview on the Vitality Passport Program and just why it is so important. Jeremy Carr, thank you very much for joining us. Just talk me through the Vitality Passport program and how it came about. So the Vitality program came about in 2015, 2016, and the Murrumbidgee Primary Health Network recognised there was a need for a program to help people to age well in the community. And the goal of the program at that point in time, and still is to today, is to help people stay in their own homes, out of hospital, living life to the best that they can live. And so we're basically trying to achieve more good days for as many people as possible, whatever that means for them. So the issue from the last 10, 20 years has been that people, as they retire, tend to do less at times, and then they tend to find that they um, access the health services more if they don't have enough robustness in their system. So from a funding model, it's if we can help people become more robust, physically, cognitively, and nutritionally, we can help them stay out of the hospital system and um, in their own home and, and contributing to the community. I mean, when you think about it, you go through life, there's not really a handbook that tells you how to age well. It's not really something we, A, want to think about, B, it's confronting at times, but the Vitality Program seems to be that handbook that can help guide people um, to, to age as best as they can. Is that how you see it? Yeah, so I think that there's lots of support for people in, in the community in, in various other instances, whether that's when you go to school, when you go to high school, when you get your first job, there's always support networks in place. And so as people age, sometimes they don't get that support and they don't seek that support because they don't know that it's out there or available. So yeah, in a nutshell, I think that that's what it is, is to try and help people and give them the tools so that they can use those tools to do the best they can do. What results are you seeing from this program over the time that it's been running the last, you know, six, seven years? Yes, I'm always our greatest skeptic because whenever we look at our results, I'm kind of like, wow, wow, we're actually doing pretty well. So our results have been outstanding. So in 2018, we were evaluated externally by the University of Notre Dame. And at that point in time, we had about 200 participants through our program. Uh, the data that was completed then, there was 81% of the people that completed the program said it improved their overall health, 85% of people would recommend it to their friends or family, and it was highly likely to achieve our outcomes of keeping people out of hospital in their own home. So that was, a, that was wonderful uh, to get the program externally evaluated. Internally now what we find is we can, um, our main measures have been halting frailty. So what we find is that about 75 to 80% of the people that we have in our program halt frailty, but of that 80%, 50% reduce frailty. So what we've been able to show is that with a multidisciplinary program of exercise, dietetics, OT, social activities, is that we can actually reverse frailty in community dwelling people. That's incredible. Just talk me through how many people roughly have come through this program. Yeah, so we've completed with at least 1,500 people since 2016. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it's a lot of people, a lot of area. So we cover the area uh, 
about half the size of New Zealand, I think it is. It's pretty big. Yeah, so there's 250,000 people in our area, yeah, an area that has quite a lot of older people, and so the, the service is in high demand. I guess like some people might watch this or be interested in, in getting their parents involved in mm. a, a program like this. I mean, is there a best age to kind of start thinking about these things? What would you say to those people? Well, so the data that was collected from the University of Notre Dame report suggested that catching people early in a almost a pre-frailty state, and so frailty is really a hard to measure clinical entity. You kind of get a sense for it, but it's really hard to pinpoint and to measure. So people that, um, are interested in being health conscious and giving themselves the tools to do the best that they can, that's very good for them because they pick up the extra little bits and pieces that they learn. And then there's other people that then they will then go and talk to that perhaps aren't necessarily as health conscious, that perhaps need a little bit more support but aren't active seekers of that support. So it's also great for them. But in terms of age, the, the, the people that are in our program, we have a very big depth and breadth of people that participate in our program. So we can have anyone that's above the age of 55 uh, from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander backgrounds all the way to our oldest person, I think it's been 99, to do our program. Yeah, and each person gets a little bit out of it. Um, what each person resonates with is different. So some people might resonate more with the exercise component, some people maybe with the OT, the cognitive component, and some with the dietary component. And then we have people that just enjoy our social interaction and they get the most out of that social engagement. Yes, yeah, certainly that was one of the themes that ran really strong throughout yep. everyone, all the participants, was that social aspect. What is it about that environment, do you think, being in a group all together, and I guess not being solo and trying to do it, that you think makes this program so successful? It gives people opportunity, and we try to encourage people to do new things and take people along with them. So we always ask people if there's anything happening and encourage other people to attend those kind of groups and activities together. Uh, I think that some people as we get older we lose more avenues to social engagements and there's not as much new stuff and it's a big barrier to overcome to go and do something new, particularly if you haven't been invited to somewhere and you don't have a wingman to go with, it's a very big barrier to, to overcome. So with our program we try and make it as welcoming as we can and we have a strong focus on the social interaction as a key component of our program. Because our program has so many multiple, well, so many modalities, there's probably, we've got low intensity mental health this year, dietetics, physio, OT, group program. We don't really know which aspect of that is the most valuable. And so it's really hard to measure. But I think giving people an opportunity to do new activities, meet new people and rekindle old friendships in the Vitality group program has been an asset, probably our greatest asset. Talk to me about the addition of the low intensity mental health component that you've yeah. introduced this year. Yeah, so due to COVID and the um, isolation of COVID, so we got additional funding in 2020, 2021 to run a pilot program that included a low intensity mental health service. And so what we found from that was quite surprising, it, that 50% of the people that completed our low intensity mental health component would not have otherwise accessed mental health supports because they didn't think they were bad enough. And so what we found is that there's a high percentage of people that do well with those supports that perhaps aren't seeking them. And if we incorporate it into a multidisciplinary program, the, the stigma associated with, it, with um, seeking out or attending mental health supports is probably reduced because it's incorporated into a more multidisciplinary service. And most people that did our program last time felt that mental health, although it is its own important entity, they would prefer to access it in a multidisciplinary way. 
I mean, you cover so many different things in the eight-week program. Is there one thing, I guess, that you think is the most important aspect of this program? <sighs> no, probably egotistically, physio is the best part of the program. But <laughs> we always have these arguments with OTs and dietitians, and it's really specific to each individual. Yeah. So, it, and most people, the biggest feedback we receive, or the most frequent feedback we receive, is about diet and about recognition about how much protein is important for their main, maintaining muscle mass, and then it's timing of that protein. We would get that the most. I think most people as they age know that exercise is important. We try and pitch our exercise program to make it a little bit more robust and dosed well. We tend to find that if we underdose exercise, you just don't get any value. But if you overdose exercise, then everyone's sore and, and in pain. So we, we want to avoid overdosing, but we principally want to avoid underdosing. You spend a lot of time exercising, and if you don't dose well, you don't get any value from it. So where to next with the Vitality program? Where do you envision this going? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, like I didn't envision it to get this far. So, um, you know, 1,500 people that we've completed the program, that's pretty amazing. We've got the next couple of years where we're going to incorporate a low intensity mental health service. From there, we're looking into doing some online, some online content that people can access. And uh, from there, who knows? There's lots of other places that don't get a lot of access to services. So plenty of places in Western New South Wales and Queensland, South Australia. I'm sure our program would work quite well there, Western Australia. Yeah, I don't know what the future holds really. I think that as long as we can continue to help people live and age well, we'd be pretty happy with that. And just finally, tell me about the Residential Aged Care Vitality Program and what that's all about. Yeah, so our Residential Aged Care Program has been developed from our community program. And so the success of the community program has been that we've been able to help maintain, pe maintain people's health and wellness, but also halt frailty. And frailty is a little bit more common in residential aged care facilities. And there's a lot of frail people in aged care facilities that will respond to our program. And so it's really an avenue to introduce exercise, low intensity mental health supports, OT, and some further dietetic information that otherwise residential aged care residents don't get access to that easily. Yeah, so that's a um, pilot program at the moment that's evolving and we're constantly looking at what we do and how we can make that better. And at this point in time, we're seeing some positive changes, but that continues to be evaluated and we're continuing to work on that. And while I think of it, there's apprehension amongst some people, in particular males. Mm. Um, they might be stubborn and say, I don't need that, that's not for me. I already know all these things. Yep. Or they might actually just be nervous about reaching out, asking for help and talking about issues that might be a little bit taboo or uncomfortable for them. Yep. What is your message to men out there about the Vitality Passport program in terms of trying to encourage them to, to reach out and give it a go? Yeah, so engaging with men's been one of our hardest tasks. Uh, we would have 75% of our participants be female. We still have 25%, which is men, which is a good start. I think that typically most men are hard workers and that they've lived a life of hard work and they typically think that it's time to rest and retire, retire and rest. And so we're trying to encourage people to say, it's great, you've got a little bit more time now that you're retired. Perhaps we need to do a little bit more exercise consistently so that you can maintain your health and wellness. And that might mean that you can eat a bit more, you can drink a bit more, have a good time a bit more if you're exercising and burning that energy off and um, maintaining your health and wellness. Depends a lot of guys, if they um, enjoy their golf, they wanna keep playing golf, or if they enjoy other aspects of, of sport bowls and those types of things. To stay engaged in those sports, you need an element of, of strength and resilience. And 
what we typically talk to men about these days is, is that we just talk about when the best time to plant a tree is and you might not feel like you need it at the moment and the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago when you want the shade, the second best time is now. So you, know, you might not be that interested in it at the moment but if you learn the tools that we've got you can apply them for the next 20, 30 years and then you can use those tools to have good days and do the things that you want to do more often and for longer. That's part one of our interview with Jeremy Carr. We continue the chat in the next episode of the Vitality Podcast as we explore why exercise is so important to helping you age well. Mm -hmm.